Super Talk Mississippi media production. If you're feeling anxious about your investments with all the economic volatility and chaos in Washington, tune in to Super Talk Jackson on Wednesdays from 9 to 10 a.m. and Sundays from 8.30 to 9.30 a.m. for Element Wealth Radio with Jeremy Nelson. Learn more at myelementwealth.com. Howdy, howdy, it's Rhino here, and I wanted to say thank you for listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert here on Super Talk Mississippi. Get ready, get ready to go beyond the headlines and join a meaningful conversation with people from around the state. You're listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert here on Super Talk Mississippi. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Midday Super Talk Mississippi. I'm your host, Gerard Gibbert, and once again, I am live at Carter Jewelers in downtown Jackson, Rhino, safe and sound in the producer's booth back at Super Talk headquarters. We'll be guiding you through the middle of your day with facts, fodder, and fine music on this. Friday, y'all. <laughs> The uh, Friday before Christmas. So we had Friday Eve yesterday. Now we got Friday, Saturday, then Christmas Eve, then Christmas. Boom. We're just moving right along as the uh, year is rapidly coming to a close. But first, Christmas right around the corner. Looking forward to that. Based on the latest forecast that I looked at, Rhino, it looks like we can expect a little precipitation to move through the Magnolia State on Sunday, at least in the morning, even a call for a bit of stormy-type weather coming through. Is that the, the latest you saw? Yeah, and it seems like it's going to be pretty much the majority of the Magnolia State. Yeah. It's a little bit higher chance of precipitation the farther south you are in Mississippi, but, yeah, it seems like everybody's going to have a bit of a soggy Sunday. Yeah, on into sure Monday. does. Yeah. Looks like that's what we're headed for. Come on down and see us, folks. Once again, we're at Carter Jewelers. We're on High Street, uh, just across the street from the Capitol. And uh, they got a big sale going on, of course. You know that Mr. Jerry Lake, the owner of Carter Jewelers, is retiring. And he says the sale of the business is under contract. And they got a bunch of stuff to sell in here, and uh, they are in liquidation mode. We got Mr. Lake coming on the program today at 10:50, 11:50, and of course we'll wrap up at 12:50. At 11:20, it's Caleb Sailors, multimedia journalist, Super Talk Mississippi News. We'll get Caleb to provide a roundup of all the news across the Magnolia State from the prior week this particular week and then we'll get a glimpse into what they're tracking in the news department next week steve azar host of in a mississippi minute of course he is a very accomplished musician and considered mississippi's music and cultural ambassador he's gonna join us at 1205 to give us preview of the upcoming azar christmas special that is a tradition on super talk that'll be airing on all of our Super Talk stations over Christmas. So we look forward to talking to 
Mr. Azar. On the news, lots of stuff going on today, as there is every day, honestly. But an interesting story that I consumed yesterday uh, concerns the sort of hidden economic lesson in a Christmas carol. Now, there have been a number of versions of the productions of the uh, A Christmas Carol. Of course, that's Charles Dickens' classic. I think my favorite is the one that aired annually that features George C. Scott as Ebenezer Scrooge. You ever seen that one, Rhino? Oh, that, yeah. That rendition? Yeah, it's really good. Um, but the lesson in A Christmas Carol... Uh, concerning perhaps the most popular anti-hero of all time, considered stingy, selfish, and mean. He's sort of the antithesis, if you think about it, of what the holiday season represents. But does Mr. Scrooge, he realizes the error of his ways. And by the end of the classic, Dickens' classic, he's been transformed from a greedy miser to more of a humanitarian, you might say. Uh, experiences a metamorphosis. We can learn a lot about that, and I think it's even possible to admire Mr. Scrooge. Now, some folks say, have analyzed these, these literary critics, that the tale, Dickens' famous tale, A Christmas Carol, is really... A critique of capitalism. And that, I guess, is somewhat understandable because Mr. Dickens, I learned in in, uh, reading through this piece, he had actually seen firsthand the horrors of the 19th century English coal mines. And, of course, those coal mines often were staffed by young children, slaved in these minds, darkness and despair. But, you know, rather than just pitch capitalism out, which is what a lot of people in this country, unfortunately, want to do, uh, Mr. Dickens perhaps could have, I don't know, approached the story with a, a bit of a different message and sort of soften uh, the more harsh aspects of the story. But nonetheless, uh, the Economist, it turns out, which is a more left-leaning publication published in the U.K., a magazine, suggested that really the tale wasn't so much about Marxism as it was the work of a reformer. I'm shocked and pleasantly shocked. So... Tiny Tim, of course, and all the street children, they didn't really run Scrooge out of town. Uh, he was ostracized somewhat. He was he was lonely. Didn't have any friends. But Mr. Scrooge didn't abandon his business, which is what the left in this country wants us to all do, is just sort of concede to the government and, and allow the government to nationalize all industries. I really do think. I just I, I would have thought that's hyperbole and absurd a few short years ago. I no longer do. I really do believe that these people possess 
an abundance of hubris that makes them believe they can more effectively manage a $23 trillion economy than can the market. But ultimately, Scrooge begins to spread his wealth around. But voluntarily, it's amazing the good things people can do with their assets. And I don't mean just financial and monetary assets, but with their time, with their skills, with their wisdom. There are people in this country like that. Lots of them. But it's voluntary. It's not at the long arm or the gun of government. It's not by force. So you could, I think, find a lot of people in this country that have become successful, achieve wealth in business because they serve their fellow man in the markets. And, and they turned around and gave back. I mean, it's not very often that folks that have not really climbed the economic ladder, and we want everybody to, don't get me wrong. But those are usually not the folks you see that are spreading wealth. They don't have any wealth to spread. Usually they're the recipients. But, again, done voluntarily. And that is a key distinction of leftist policy, which wants to force it. There's nothing noble about such force. It's the same thing with this this misguided DEI, which, of course, we've now re-termed as discrimination, exclusion, and inequity. But it's the same thing. That's just forcing. That's not really changing hearts and minds, and it's honestly not achieving any beneficial outcomes. I think that's pretty clear. But, you know, Scrooge at the end shouts in a rather triumphant, almost victorious, almost exuberant fashion at the end of the story, quote, the spirits of all three shall strive within me, talking about the spirits that came to visit him in his dreams and ultimately influenced him to become more altruistic, change his ways. And he understood and he, he was he was cool with that. He was fine with that. He wasn't being forced to do it. And all I can think about, honestly, uh, uh, Rhino, uh, be it right or wrong, is Liz Warren, who tweeted today, just about two hours ago, today is the sixth anniversary of Trump's massive corporate tax cuts becoming law. Now giant corporations and Republican lawmakers are holding child tax credits hostage in exchange for more expensive tax giveaways. It's shameful. Have you ever noticed that to folks on the left like Warren that any sort of policy that allows people to keep more of what they earn those are giveaways. We're being altruistic as a government to allow you to keep more of your money. Oh, yeah, but the on the expense side, such as all this massive, gigantic redistribution, no, those aren't giveaways. Those are noble. Those are equity. <laughs> We're stepping aside for a break. The Element Well Studio relocated today down to Carter Jewelers in downtown Jackson. We are coming right back. Check it out. Let's do this. The talk that keeps Mississippi talking. 
Middays with Gerard Gibbert. Let's get on with it. On Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back, everyone. It's middays. We're down at Carter Jewelers in downtown Jackson. We appreciate you so much for joining us on the Ceasefire text line. Neil from Pontotoc says, Merry Christmas to you and Rhino. Really appreciate that, Neil. Merry Christmas to you as well and yours. Bo and Indianola just want to say Merry Christmas to Rhino and Gerard. Thank you for what you do. Looking forward to a new year and Trump back in office. I hear you, Bo. Appreciate that. Thanks a lot. Um, let's see. What else we got here on the ceasefire text line? Well, we'll get to that in a minute. Um, this this ruling in Colorado is, is really uh, by uh, the Supreme Court of Colorado, barring Mr. Trump from appearing on the primary ballot, is really something. And it has, uh, gosh, it has elicited a whole lot of feedback and response really across the political spectrum, across the, the news world as well. Incredible. Um, I think it's ridiculous. I think it is pure judicial activism and overreach. I think that this thing's going to go to the Supreme Court and be promptly overturned. I'm not sure if it'll get done before the ballot is printed and sent to the counties in uh, the state of Colorado in advance of the primary. Now, you know, it's crazy, but the GOP in, in Colorado is actually discussing selecting their nominee using the caucus approach as opposed to uh, primary elections. I'm not sure what the rules are around making that change, but that's what they're discussing. And then, of course, there's the general election, which is where it's important, more important, that I I don't know how they work, honestly. I mean, if if somehow there is some sort of case and court's order, hey, Mr. Trump should appear on the ballot in the general election, even though he did not win the nomination through a primary, uh, which, of course, are conducted by the parties, by the way. And 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 perhaps instead of a primary, they do a caucus, in which case it wouldn't matter. So there, there are just lots of what-ifs around this whole deal and lots of analyses which have been written and opinions, of course, as to whether or not the Supreme Court of Colorado was within their right, within their scope of power to do so if so and the supreme court upholds that ruling it should shake every american to the core it essentially means that unelected judicial activists in black robes make the uh make the decision on behalf of the people instead of the people on who they want to select to lead them and if you think it'll stop 
with just Donald Trump in this election, I, I think we're being very short-sighted. Those that feel like, oh, it's just Donald Trump, I think it would continue. I think that it would open up the door for future such decisions by some authority, some body. Um, at the state, perhaps even at the federal level, which would be completely insane and the most anti-democratic thing we'd ever see. I sure hope that is, uh, again, swiftly decided by the Supreme Court. The question is, are we going to get a 9-0 ruling, or are we going to see the Democrat-appointed justices stand with the Colorado Supreme Court? That, that is going to be incredibly telling. And if that turns out to be the case, it will show just how important it was, how critical it was to have Donald Trump in office in the 2016 to 2020 term where three Supreme Court justices were appointed and put on the bench that were more conservative in nature. It it shouldn't even be that way, really. I mean, if you think about the Supreme Court, it is not a political body, and If they are selected based on their strict constitutional leanings, that shouldn't even be an issue. And so what I'm hoping here is that even those appointed by the Democrat see the wisdom in overturning and the value and the benefit to the country going forward of overturning this Colorado Supreme Court decision because – that, that very popular common refrain the Democrats love to employ, it's the end of democracy, this truly is. I mean, this is the essence of it because democracy as, a, as defined simply means that people uh, govern themselves. That's, that's the essence of democracy. And then the Republican... Republic, I should say, form of that is that people elect representatives. And that's really the essence of democracy. That's how it works. And so this conflicts with that. This decision conflicts with that, where the people aren't giving the opportunity and and uh, their rights are being infringed upon because they're not able to select whom they want to lead them. I think also personally this is going to big time help. The uh, the former president, uh, he I think every indictment and and everything they throw at him to impede his uh, really just his ability to even run because that's what all that stuff's about. Uh, it helps him. The polls typically go up, and that's what this is all about, is it not? This is a, a Supreme Court in Colorado that fears that. And they're all Democrats, by the way, all seven, 4-3 vote, very narrow, the narrowest of margins, honestly, to to uh, issue that ruling. Well, they know that the, the guy in the White House, Joe Biden, the, the what appears to be the apparent Democrat nominee at this point, his policies are unpopular. The The people of this country are, are not um, approving of his approach, of his government. And the polls bear that out, especially in the swing states, which are where the uh, presidential election is determined. They know that. So, okay, we can't beat them legitimately at the ballot box. So we're just, 
we're just essentially going to eliminate the competition. <laughs> we're just going to do it by judicial fiat. And that's what's happening here. Really incredible. Joe Equipment says, Gerard and Rhino, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Best wishes to you. Appreciate that, Joe. Same to you, sir. Thank you very, very much. Price Wallace, our good friend, Representative Price Wallace. Merry Christmas to you and Rhino and to all your listeners. Thank you, Price. Appreciate that. You too, sir. Larry and Brookhaven, right in. You know, that. I don't know that that's legal, Larry. And again, you know, oh, yeah. In Colorado, they've got until... I want to say the deadline. I had it up yesterday. I don't have okay. it up today. They've got until, I want to say the 29th of this month to declare their candidacy as a write-in candidate. They had until the week before the Colorado Supreme Court handed down this decision to get their name on the ballot officially. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so I think that's to your point, though, is it not, Rhino? Those, uh, those matters are dictated at the state level. The, those rules around write-in candidates and elections and so Correct. forth. I believe that's I believe that's right. Yeah. So Colorado, based on what you're saying, uh, still time to do that. Louis from the six six two asks an interesting question. Gerard, could the U.S. Supreme Court force a delay in the presidential primaries if they need, if they indeed feel Colorado was wrong in their decision? I, it's it seems plausible, uh, Louis. Honestly, that. Okay, we, we couldn't get this decision to you in time for the ballots to be produced and distributed to the counties. Uh, we, we are ordering you to essentially do a redo and um, set a new date for primaries and reprint the ballots. I guess that's possible. I, I don't know. It's a great question, honestly. And, and I, I, I hate to sort of second guess what kind of uh, power and control. It's unprecedented, Rhino, that it's just best I know that a, such a matter lands uh, on the on the bench in the court It's it, of uh, the Supremes of the for United States. For a presidential States. election, yeah. Yeah, for a presidential election. Right, right, exactly. So it's, man, if it it's, has uh, happened, it hasn't happened in 100 years. Okay. So we're, it's fair to say, making history and setting a valuable precedent. And that's what I said yesterday that I, I again, should say today that, that I'm hoping is the outcome, that the Supremes come down and say, no, Colorado, you acted uh, inappropriately outside of your scope, improperly, and, and put this thing to bed so this crap never comes up again, specifically uh, disallowing, barring a candidate from appearing on the ballot on some subjective reason, based on some subjective reason. So the Element Well Studio relocated to downtown Jackson at Carter Jewelers. We're coming right back. Stay with us. Middays with Gerard Gibbert. Welcome, welcome to our show on Super Talk Mississippi. Okay, now you have a good one. Welcome back, everyone. Middays is live in downtown Jackson at Carter Jewelers. Come on by and see us. The big Christmas sale underway today on In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar. You'll hear an interview 
with former radio DJ Jerry Hart, who now designs guitar straps for the likes of Keith Richards, John Fogarty, Taylor Swift, Elton John, Dolly Parton, and many more of today's most popular musicians. In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar is presented by Superior Catfish. Remember, there's catfish, then there's Superior Catfish. It's U.S. farm-raised catfish with homegrown flavor. Ask for it by name at your favorite store or restaurant. Go to superiorcatfish.com for more info. So... We did get a rather surprising positive reading on inflation. Prices fell, folks, in November for the first time since 2020. And that means that inflation is approaching the Fed's target of 2%. Spending and personal income rose, which really is a sign of Americans' confidence in the economy. Man, you know, Rhino, Joe Biden is going to be all over the place talking about this. And he had nothing to do with it. That, that, in fact, he caused a problem that drove the Fed to increase interest rates 11 times. 11 since he's been in office. And, of course, the purpose of that is to try to rein in and tame inflation. And so the Fed is is uh, taking a look at this reading and saying, well, looks like it's working. Now, a lot of times those rate increases kind of have a lagging effect. So we're just starting, I think, to see that lagging effect. And uh, I, I've tried to pay attention to as many economists that I trust as I can with respect to their predictions about rate adjustments last year. Some feel like we're not going to see a whole lot, but for the most part, there is a consensus that we're going to see rate cuts. And I've heard anywhere from from three to six, and it could be a quarter point, could be half a point. But nonetheless, it, it's widely believed that the Fed's going to pivot. The problem, of course, is if they're doing so, is that because economic activity is slowing? which means that that uh, companies are not producing as much profit because consumers aren't spending as much money. They don't have as much money. Their disposable income is down. So, but, but the news today is positive. We certainly have to admit that. Joe Biden will run around taking victory laps and high-fiving everybody on this, and he's going to go to his staff, of course, and say, we got to push this narrative so that my poll numbers can increase i don't think it's going to work i think that ship has sailed and of course even though we get this one month of positive news on the inflation front that still does not offset the fact that since he's been in office inflation has risen and overall cost of living 17 to 20 percent whereas wages have trailed in uh in their increase the 12 to 15 percent. So you're still upside down. You're not making enough money to cover the increase of the cost of living. And the polls bear that out. The president last week hit his lowest poll number ever at 34 percent. 34 does not bode well. And I still believe that's at the heart of why the Supreme Court of Colorado basically booted Donald Trump off the ballot. Well, we don't think we could beat him in a legitimate election, so we're just going to render him ineligible to run. 
know, just it's it's um, it's kind of syndicate like, isn't it, right? It's it's isn't that what the mafia does? Well, we don't like the competition. We'll just wipe them out. It won't have any more competition. I, I, and so people may be saying I'm equating their action to you know some sort of violence. I'm not, but I am saying that uh, as an analogy, that is kind of the way it works. We'll just get rid of our competition. In this case, Supreme Court of Colorado says, yeah, we're just going to say Joe Biden can't appear on the ballot. We told you yesterday about California working on the same thing. There are numerous other efforts across the country, several other states also working on the same to try to rule that Mr. Trump is ineligible to appear and to run for president in their states. This is scary. This is Banana Republic-style stuff. This is the kind of stuff you see in uh, communist-run nations. That's how they do it. I mean, the regimes get in power, in in control, the Politburo, and they just basically block everyone else out. It is not government of the people for and by the people. Totally different deal. Joe Biden is the anointed Democrat nominee on the ceasefire text line. Certainly looks like it. Andy and Jackson says, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you, Andy. Thank you so much for listening. Ricky in Aberdeen. He sent us a nice uh, hotty toddy. Merry Christmas. Appreciate that, Ricky. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Gerard and Rhino, thank you both for all you do. Bob and Son, appreciate that, Bob. Appreciate the positive feedback. Thank you for listening and, and being part of the show on a daily basis. Bo in Indianola says Mississippi needs to say, okay, Joe Biden can be on the ballot and name a crime and say, okay, Governor California can't be on the ballot. And name a crime, muddy the water. Yeah, and that's the the danger, I think, Bo, and the risk is that you, you start looking at uh, retaliation on the right. We, we uh, told you yesterday about Texas considering barring Joe Biden from appearing on their ballot because of his handling of the border. Now, I, I honestly fully believe that he is advocating his duty and his his vow to protect the Constitution, and that includes, I think, protecting the sovereignty of the nation, and that's got to start with having borders. But essentially what they've done is is erase the border, certainly to our south and to some extent to our north, with ten to 12,000 flowing across it every single day. So I do think a case could be made that he is advocating. But that's when the Congress has got to take action and and, uh, and start drawing up impeachment papers. See how far that goes. That maybe sounds a little far-fetched, but it's ridiculous. And I, I saw Rhino where he is sending uh, Mayorkas and Anthony Blinken, Homeland Security Secretary, Secretary of State, down to the border to go visit with the Mexican president and the Mexican government to talk about getting control of the gov- of the border? Are they just like waking up and realizing this is a problem? Where you been? And I hope something positive comes out of that. It's scary. It's ridiculous. And, and you know, if you win, it's all supposed to be under the guise, the pretense really is what it is, of seeking asylum. I think if you went to some of these hotels like in New York where they're, where uh, all these, uh, many of these migrants are, are residing on the taxpayer dole, by the way. I saw a report this morning that estimated the taxpayer cost to accommodate 
the illegal migrants into this country at $450 billion. billion. I had to read it twice. Is it million? No, it's billion. But I bet if you went and and just interacted with everyone that is uh, is staying in a hotel room in New York, where New York has designated these hotels for the purpose of housing these migrants, I bet you'd find 95% of them aren't really seeking asylum. And when you see that many, don't you think we'd be seeing some news coming out of their native countries that there's really something serious going on where the governments in those countries are truly oppressing their people? I mean, like, physically, bodily, uh, in, in other sorts of actions? We're not seeing that. That that would be global news. These people aren't coming here for that. That's just horse hockey. They're coming because Joe Biden said, hey, come on in. Enjoy the benefits, the largesse of this country. We're going to take care of you. And Ted Cruz has now written a letter to the TSA, and I applaud him for it, where his, he's asking about the way in which the TSA is verifying the IDs of these migrants who are getting on airplanes and flying. And Cruz says he's actually been on planes, and he's seen them, and how he can identify them is they all have some familiar manila envelope with all their papers in it. And they're using some sort of app to authenticate and identify themselves. That's crazy. But yet a card-carrying American citizen has got to show up and provide... You guys know the deal. you got to provide a valid, current photo ID to fly if, as an American. But, but yet we're letting what are likely to be potential terrorists hop on American airplanes and just go right through unscathed through TSA, unchecked, because they've just logged on to some app and said, yeah, this is who I am. This is insanity. It's such a ridiculous double standard, but that's what we've come to appreciate from this leftist government that we have. It's really scary. On the ceasefire text line, wishing everyone a merry, healthy Christmas. Thank you guys for your work, Dr. Dan Edney. Really appreciate that, uh, Dr. Edney. And the same to you, sir. Thank you for all your service. Of course, the doctor is uh, the head of the Mississippi Department of of health. We are stepping aside for a break, coming right back with Jerry Lake, the owner of Carter Jewelry. Covering the stories that matter most to Mississippians. Gerard Gibbert, Middays with Gerard, Super Talk, Mississippi. everyone it's midday super talk mississippi we're live today at carter jewelers in downtown jackson we welcome to the program now mr jerry lake the owner of carter jewelers all right jerry what's going on today you had a big day yesterday you had to because i saw people in here the whole time well it is christmas and uh <laughs> we've got a uh, i'm retiring 
this this store and my Vicksburg store are both under contract to be sold, but uh, that does not include the inventory. I'm liquidating the inventories at both stores. Uh, I, I think I can safely say that this is the biggest uh, liquidation of fine jewelry probably in, since I've been in the business for 49 years. It's uh, everything in the store is is fifty to ninety percent off the lowest tag prices. This is, uh, I think, this is a lifetime kind of sale where I, I don't know whenever you're going to have uh, this kind of selection for these good of prices. Uh, these prices are getting very near what industry liquidators pay and and when you can buy jewelry anywhere near those kind of prices let me tell you that's a win a big win so anyway we've got uh our our selection is phenomenal i think this would probably be uh i really think this probably be the best jewelry sale ever in the history of mississippi or at least as long as i've been around we're two blocks from the capitol on high street downtown jackson and the Permanent Plaza over in Vicksburg, and uh, you know we are we're offering uh, we have financing, I think twelve months interest free financing, no credit check financing. Uh, it's uh, let me tell you, this is the kind of sale you should buy for if you've got the if you got the disposable income for this Christmas, future Christmases, birthdays, anniversaries, you should buy for yourself and. Uh, you, you should come take a look. If you can hear this broadcast, if you're anywhere in the state uh, with a, a five or ten hour round trip and you're wanting to get a nice piece of jewelry, you should come. It'd be worth your time to come and take a look. The savings you got was incredible. Uh, there, there will be millions of dollars in savings uh, to sell. And uh, it's. Anyway, I, I don't know uh, right now. Can't think of anything else to say about it except Merry Christmas. It's uh, it's a lifetime kind of sale that that usually never comes along in uh, people's people's life. But I'm I'm selling the stores, and the buyers really couldn't afford my inventories, and that's what's going on. I'm I'm liquidating all of the inventory, and it's uh, it, it'll be the best deal that you probably ever possibly could get or 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 would get on on fine jewelry so you told us yesterday that um all styles of jewelry are 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 selling briskly but you mentioned uh studs yeah well you know diamond studs i had all my all my diamonds my loose diamonds not all of them but i had so many of them that you know if they matched up in size and color i set them up as diamond studs and good god we we still have just you know if you wanted to get a nice set of diamond stud earrings uh we have we have so many of those uh and also let me tell you i've still got a lot of loose diamonds if you want a loose diamond uh at a at a really good deal uh, I, I was in the wholesale diamond business for uh, for a long, long time, and and you know 
I don't mind selling uh, to the public for uh, about the same thing. I'll be selling these to the trade, you know, once I finish, you know, the liquidation sale. But I, I'm going to tell you something. A lot of this jewelry I will end up selling to the industry liquidators. I, I used to represent the largest one in, in, in the country. And if you can, and these prices are so close. A lot of these prices are close, and a few of the things even below what I, I will get or I will end up selling to the industry liquidators that if you can buy I'm telling you if you can buy anywhere near the kind of prices that that they pay for jewelry this is a huge win and the jewelry we carry is some of the prettiest best made jewelry in the world it's uh anyway I it's it's Christmas coming up, and uh, uh, there's a lot of you out there that probably uh, there's somebody in your life, uh, a mother, daughter, or wife, or, or a friend, or maybe just yourself, that you maybe owe a piece of jewelry for, and you thought you could never afford a, something really nice. Uh, I think uh, I think if you come to Carter Jewelers, you you might could fulfill that that. Uh, that that thing you need to do if that's something you need to do now if you don't have the extra disposable income don't go out on a limb buy jewelry all right take care of yourself we gotta go anyway i think he's telling me my time's (laughs) up and i'll probably talk longer than i should you're good all right appreciate it jerry merry christmas folks it's top of the hour that means fox news super talk news we're coming right back we got caleb sailors joining us at 11 20 to give us a news update stay with us And now, now, the talk that keeps Mississippi talking. That's what I like to listen to. You're listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert. Here on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back, everyone. It's hour two of middays. We are live at Carter Jewelers in downtown Jackson on this Friday, y'all. We are here, no doubt about it. And there's a lot of folks in this store making their selections, presumably for someone special for Christmas. And we appreciate everyone out there for the well wishes, the Merry Christmases we have received on the text line and we want to extend the same to you good people. We certainly realize that this show is made possible uh, by your tuning in every day, and we are extremely appreciative for that, uh, no doubt about it. Uh, something else we want to always make you aware of is the Super Talk Mississippi News this week in Mississippi Newsletter. The Super Talk Mississippi team covers all the Mississippi stories you want to know about i highly recommend you go to our website supertalk.fm and sign up for the newsletter i think you'll be glad you did you know i want to get back to this elizabeth warren tweet because it just bugs me this this constant attack on capitalism on success as if corporations are just absolutely the demons the villains the bane of society. Now, 
I don't agree with everything corporations do. But you know what I agree with? Is their right to do it. I think sometimes what they do is dumb. I think this pursuit of this ESG and inserting that into their corporate governance, into their operations, their policies, their investments, it's ridiculous. Uh, I, I oppose, as we've said so many times, these massive investments they have made in these sprawling DEI departments and incorporating some of those concepts in their policies, in their their actions, in hiring and promotion and compensation, etc. But I support their right to do it. Uh, I, that is consistent with a free society and free markets. And the market will will make the call. It will it will dictate whether or not such policies uh, work for them and produce the the uh, the goals that they seek, generate the goals that they seek. And many times they don't. Look at Budweiser, Bud Light. They got scorched for that ridiculous woke crap with Dylan Mulvaney as a spokesperson. They're still reeling from it. Still attempting to recover from it. But I support their right to do it, regardless of how stupid it is. But this deal about massive corporate, that's what Liz Warren says. Today is the sixth anniversary of Trump's massive corporate tax cuts, which demonstrates a complete lack of understanding of the federal budget. Now, you would think a sitting U.S. senator, one who was a... An instructor at Harvard, even, sitting U.S. senator, would have some familiarity with the federal budget. But I don't think she does. I really don't. I, I know that a lot of people may say she does. She's just just not acknowledging it or trying to leverage these talking points for political gain. Well, sure, I, I believe that is the case, um, that she's always, of course, trying to spout talking points for political gains. She's a she's a hardcore partisan politician. That's what they do. But where I'm going with this is corporate income taxes are not a large part of the revenue budget of the federal government. Individual income taxes are. Federal income taxes are not. And what's missed here in her statement, you would read it and think, oh, my gosh, these corporations before the Trump tax cuts were just paying uh, just a boatload of taxes into the federal treasury. And after the Trump tax cuts, they're just not. And that's why we can't have anything nice. That's just not true. First, again, the corporate income taxes paid to the treasury are are not a major portion of the revenue picture. Uh, I want to say, last I looked, 10%, 12%, maybe. They're not. Never have been. Never have been. Before the Trump tax cuts, after the Trump tax cuts. The other thing that she's missing is that since the Trump tax cuts, corporations are paying more into the Treasury than they were before on a nominal basis. That point gets missed. So, Okay, $350, $400 billion a year of, of tax revenue paid by corporations. It's a $6 trillion budget there, toots. Do you not get that? I get frustrated with this because they just won't 
they won't discuss the math. And you look out here, and they get this giant number of likes and all these goofy comments that, yeah, you put it to those corporations there, Senator Warren. And it's just not true. It's not, it's not true. It's not like, oh, well, if corporations were paying the same tax rate they were before the Trump tax cuts, we could have child tax credits. Since when, again, have you ever considered the amount coming in when deciding on the amount going out. That's not why. You, you don't get them because Americans don't support them. They've elected representatives that don't support that. It's just it's just additional welfare on steroids welfare. And we should also point out that part of the Trump tax cuts increased the refundable portion of the child tax credit that was actually a feature of trump's tax cut was to increase the amount the irs pays in the form of a child tax credit the refundable portion means even if you don't have enough of a tax liability to to utilize and apply the credits to you still get money i mean it's one of the most blatant forms of redistribution just like the earned income tax credit recoverable you work, you qualify if your income is below a certain amount. Even if you don't have a federal income tax liability, the IRS is going to send you money. And it's also one of the most defrauded features of our tax system because the bad guys go out and steal these Social Security numbers and fire these, file these bogus tax returns and are able to get information necessary for the return to get processed, uh, it shows that a credit is due, a, a cash credit is due, not a refund, a credit, and the IRS sends them checks. It's estimated that that's about $9 billion a year for years, $9 billion a year. Improper payments is really what it is. On the ceasefire text line, Joe Equipment says, I saw six young men at the Social Security office this week when setting up my retirement. Only one could speak English, waiting to be called. I heard the Social Security worker ask each, what city in Mexico was he born in when filling out an unloan application? They all left with smiles. I guess the government is giving away Social Security numbers. So, Joe, um, I'm not sure of the situation here, but it is absolutely possible for uh, a migrant to obtain what's called not a social security number but a valid tax id so in fact they do pay taxes even though they're not a citizen that's been going on for a long time and so that may be the situation here and i can't imagine how the social security administration i'm not saying they didn't here because unfortunately there's a lot of incompetence in government as you know uh, but yes they could have paid into social security they could be eligible for social security benefits if they paid in they're eligible for benefits if they didn't pay in they're not I'm not saying that doesn't happen. It does, unfortunately. And that's due to, first, archaic systems Social Security Administration and Medicare and the IRS are using to administer those programs. I'm talking ancient, terrible, and not integrated to the extent they should be, not modernized, don't have all the checks, the controls, and the ability to detect um, these sorts of fraudulent activities. It's, it's, it's a problem. And I'm all for spending money on that because that's a small amount of money relative to the giant amount of money we could save as taxpayers. Uh, that's one thing. And then the second thing is 
unfortunately, the people, uh, many are, and I don't want to generalize here, but many are just just not competent at what they're doing. And it, it's a problem. But I, I hear you, Joe, and, it, and it, it could be the case. And I'm certainly not saying that there's not massive fraud, in, uh, certainly in Social Security and Medicare and Medicaid. There absolutely is. There's no doubt about it. I think I shared a report a few months ago from, this, from the Congressional Budget Office. Uh, they did a detailed analysis of that and uh, found out there there's some $270 billion a year of improper payments. Improper. Two hundred seventy billion. You think about a hundred billion going to Ukraine over the last three years, two and a half years. How about two seventy a year of improper payments going out in this country? You never hear folks like Liz Warren talk about addressing that. It's just we got to get more taxes out of those corporations so we can give more away. We are stepping aside for a break and coming back with Caleb Sailors, multimedia journalist, Super Talk Mississippi News. Let it snow. The talk that keeps Mississippi talking. We're rolling. Hit it. Go. Play it. Middays with Gerard Gibbert on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back, everyone. It's Middays. We are live at Carter Jewelers, downtown Jackson, just a couple of blocks from the Capitol, the Mississippi State Capitol. We welcome to the program now Caleb Sailors, multimedia journalist, Super Talk Mississippi News. I've heard plenty of that this week. <laughs> All right, Caleb, uh, on this final Friday before uh, Christmas, what is the Super Talk News Department tracking over the past week and what's going to be on the radar for next week? Well, let's start off on a good note, or a good note, rather. Um, The Mississippi Department of Transportation has officially cleared Santa Claus and his reindeer for travel, you know, as we get ready to celebrate Christmas in Mississippi. So that's good. Santa Claus will be delivering all the presents to all the children, the the good ones at least, uh, throughout the state. And also on that note, too, MDOT and um, other roadway officials in the state are, they're going to clear off uh, road construction, any kind of lane closures or Roadway projects are not going to be forthgoing. They're not going to be taking place uh, throughout the holiday enforcement period. Uh, so starting tomorrow, I believe, going through the new year uh, holiday, uh, MDOT won't be doing any major road construction on highways and interstates in Mississippi. And the Mississippi Highway Patrol will be starting its travel enforcement period on Sunday, and it'll go through uh, right after midnight on Christmas. And so if you see an enhanced uh, amount of law enforcement officers on the road and state troopers, just know you're in the uh, enforcement period. Yeah. All right. So uh, just looking at uh, the news that uh, you guys have been writing about this week, uh, what about this Aberdeen mayor story? Can you tell us about that? I don't have all the details on that. Alyssa Arbuckle actually just wrote that and put that on our website, so I'll have to do a deeper dive into that. She would be able to give you more information on that. But one of the bigger stories uh, from the week uh, from Mississippi this week is now a new uh, state superintendent of education has been named, yeah. uh, Dr. Lance yeah. Evans. He uh, previously served as the superintendent of the New Albany School District, uh, and he had been a principal in the past. He's had 
you know, decades of experience in education, and he's looking forward to taking over at the helm. He had a press conference yesterday that I attended virtually, and he talked about some of the things he wanted to do as superintendent. Uh, he said he's looking forward to working with the legislature come this you know upcoming legislative session. He wants to try to fully fund uh, the Mississippi Adequate Education Program or modify it. He's he's willing to work with lawmakers on modifying the formula or getting it done to where you know they can fund education in the state. And he was asked about school choice, and I thought his answer answer on that was very interesting. I think you and him could have a really good conversation, Gerard. He said he's not necessarily for or against school choice per se, but he wants public schools in Mississippi to be, you know, advanced and enhanced to the point where school choice really isn't a a necessary thing. Yeah. Yeah, I think, uh, I'm pretty sure, Rhino, we interviewed him when we were up in New Albany earlier this year, right? I think we had him on the program, and he was a delight to talk to. And so he, that's big news. And he said he and he's willing to have conversations with everybody. He said, you know, I don't want these things to be written up about me or said about me before a conversation's <laughs> had. So reach out to me anytime. I'd love to talk about these things. He seemed very receptive and very willing to listen to kind of every side to what, what will best advance education in Mississippi. And he said, you know, he wants to continue the you know the Mississippi miracle that's been touted here recently, especially by Governor Tate Reeves. And he said he supports that vision. He's wanting to include. Or excuse me, in, to continue increasing reading and math scores, especially in fourth grade, as we've seen, that's been where much of the success has come from in the state. And so, yeah, he's really excited to take over and said it's kind of a dream job of his. Okay. Well, that's I look forward to that. And so a little um, departure from the, the the prior selection who, as you know, the board mm-hmm. um Put forth, and then the Senate did not confirm. Dr. And Taylor, this individual, right, uh, Dr. Taylor, that's right. So this individual is from Mississippi yes. and is currently a superintendent at a Mississippi school district. He so he lived we, in North hire... Mississippi his whole life. Yeah. So uh, the board saw fit in this case to mm-hmm. hire uh, someone from within our borders. Absolutely. Another big story, Gerard, and this one's getting national attention. NBC has even come to Jackson to cover this. There's been instances of people in Hines County being buried in pauper's graves behind the Raymond Detention Center, and the family's not being notified at all till way later. So uh, notable civil rights attorney Ben Crump, you've seen him on Fox News, CNN, MSNBC. He's on all the national stations. He's covered a lot of high-profile cases. Well, he's uh, representing the mothers of Mario Moore, Jonathan Hankins, and Dexter Wade. All three of these men died and were buried in a pauper's grave, and neither the coroner nor the Jackson Police Department nor any officials in Hines County notified the families that these men had died, much less were buried without their knowledge of it. So the mothers of these three individuals have had to pay a $250 fee to get their son or family member's uh, body dug up out and, and retrieved for them. And it, it's a very, very messy situation. Um, one of the individuals, Dexter Wade, had been uh, struck and killed by a JPD cruiser. The family thinks that there might be a cover-up going on there. They're really just demanding answers. They don't understand why the Jackson Police Department didn't reach out. JPD officials are blaming the coroner, saying the coroner should have been the one to reach out to the families. The coroner's like, no, that's the police department's job. And so it's really messy. There's really no accountability for this right now. And so they're demanding answers and saying, why were our loved ones buried? Why are we having to pay to get their bodies retrieved? And why do we not have any knowledge of this for months and even years after the fact? Wow. 
That is uh, it's really something. And, that and is the, a uh, fascinating story. And, Gerard, the more troubling aspect about this, too, is that the three men involved, all three of them had a form of identification, whether it be a government-issued driver's license or something else identifying who they are on them at the time of death. And the police never notified the family or families. Oh, wow. Yeah, so it... It, so what's next on that? What what do we think is going to happen next? I, I would not be shocked if there's an investigation into the Jackson Police Department into, or into the coroner's office or any public officials that are involved in this. I mean, okay. there, there, there's got to be answers, especially for these families. I, I'm, it, I, I was speechless reading about all of this. I, I, I'm like, how do you not contact the family members? And you have mothers upset and crying, not knowing that their you know, son, brother, even one of the one of the men was a father has a teenage child and didn't even know that the the family member was buried wow that's incredible it really is so what about the story that uh you just published uh, regarding the state health department uh, putting a hold on um, some of the medical cannabis products being sold in Mississippi. So a large number of uh, medical cannabis products, they didn't specify, specify which ones or how that's going about, but they're putting a hold on production or putting a hold on them altogether until they can be retested just to ensure that, that you know they're going the safest way about this, to make sure that no one's going to be harmed by this. Uh, but the state health department did uh, tell people who are medical cannabis patients in Mississippi to reach out to their local or their their respective uh, dispensary, and the dispensary yeah. will tell them what products are available and what products are being held up right now. And they're planning to retest these things as soon as possible, and hopefully it won't be a big deal down the road. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. And on a, on, a, on a lighter note, as we get ready to kind of start closing out this segment, on a lighter note, we got notice yesterday from the Peach Bowl committee that um, the game sold out. The Peach Bowl between Ole Miss and Penn State that's coming up just you know eight days from now is has the bowl game has sold its allotment of tickets to both programs. This will be the first time that Ole Miss and Penn State play each other, Gerard. It's kind of crazy. Wow. These, these are both historic programs. I mean, his Penn State might be one of the most historic programs in college football, and they've never played each other. So both teams are 10-2. They they both lost. Um, they lost two games each, but all four losses combined were to top 10 teams. Uh, Penn State lost a game to Michigan and Ohio State, which Michigan's in the playoff this year. Well, Ole Miss lost to Alabama and Georgia, and Alabama's in the playoff this year. So these two teams are bringing in a lot of excitement. Uh, both fan bases travel well. Ole Miss obviously has a kind of built-in fan base in Atlanta. But, you know, Penn State brings in the number one defense in the country, and Ole Miss brings in a top 15 offense. And so it's going to be a very, very interesting game. I'll actually be there. So for those who are looking for coverage, I'll be there in Atlanta covering the game. I've got the press credentials and everything. And uh, we got more sports coming up this weekend. We've got basketball. The Ole Miss basketball team is red hot. The first top 25 ranking in the AP since 2019. They're 11-0. They will take on an in-state foe in Southern Miss tomorrow in the Mississippi Gulf Coast Coliseum. That game will tip off at 1 p.m. Southern Miss has kind of been up and down this year. They have a 6-5 and five record. They're kind of trying to figure out their identity as a team while the Rebels are just red hot. You know, They started off the season barely scraping by and winning games, and now they're kind of starting to dominate and really adjust to first-year head coach Chris Beard's system. And then also tomorrow at 11 a.m., Mississippi State, who's 9-2, and two, having a really good start to the season, they'll take on Rutgers. 
Wow. Well, so before we go, uh, do we have any data about, with respect to the Peach Bowl being sold out, uh, tickets to the Ole Miss fan base, tickets to the Penn State fan base, and then I guess to the general public, kind of how that shakes out. We know anything about that. So they curious. They've sold their allotment, what was made available to the respective fan bases in the public. Now everything else is okay. on third party apps. You have to go through like Ticketmaster, StubHub, SeatGeek, okay. etc. Gotcha. Well, it'll be exciting. Well, Caleb, appreciate you coming on and giving us an update. I hope you have the merriest of Christmases, and uh, we'll see you again soon. Merry Christmas, Gerard. Thank you so much. Coming right back, folks, the Element Well Studio. On Super Talk Mississippi. Ready here. Middays with Gerard Gibbert. On Super Talk Mississippi. Come, they told me, A newborn king to see, Thank you, Rhino, for playing the appropriate Christmas music as we are just three days away from the big Christmas day. That's awesome. Appreciate that. Speaking of which, what about your shopping there, Rhino? You done with all that? Oh, yeah. I'm all finished up. Just got to finish wrapping. Oh, Okay. <laughs> Little wrapping, is that the weekend plan? Well, uh, we're still going through all of Mom's wrapping stuff, so I'm probably just going to take it to Tupelo with me when I go see the family and wrap it there. Okay, gotcha. I got a little bit more to do, but, you know, there's plenty of time, right, to get it done. So, But uh, overall, we're looking forward to it. Are you, you traveling back to Tupelo, I assume, right? Oh, yeah, I'm headed up tomorrow, and then I'll come back on Christmas night, so I'll be here back in the studio on Tuesday for us to be live. Absolutely. We shall. We will be live next week. And uh, I uh, was scheduled to travel, but uh, we decided to to, uh, postpone that and pick the time next year we will do that. So I will be joining you. We'll be together. For the week between Christmas and New Year's, we'll be at Super Talk headquarters there. No remote scheduled. Ought to be fun. Larry in Brookhaven says, my Christmas wish to all. If you give my wife a plant, shrub, or tree for Christmas, it must also come with a giver available to plant, relocate, and remove when it dies. <laughs> come on, Larry. you got to be, you gotta be uh, optimistic. You're gonna you're gonna put these plants in the ground, or I guess in your case, somebody's gonna do it for you, and they'll survive and they'll thrive. Come on, be optimistic. Renew, recharge, energize. That's what we got to do. But I hear you. That's pretty good. Appreciate that. Uh, you know this president of Harvard. Oh my gosh, why is she still there as the president? Is anybody's guess, except I think for the most part, you can conclude it is a direct result of 
her being a diversity hire. So there are now 40 new allegations of Harvard President Claudine Gay's plagiarism, except we don't call it plagiarism anymore, apparently. It's it's now duplicative language. You see, you've seen this, Rhino. This is so ridiculous. Duplicative language. Oh, gosh. And this, is, of course, comes on the heels of her, uh, honestly, abhorrent performance on the Hill with respect to anti-Semitism on her campus. But uh, I just noted that we now refer to it as duplicative language. That's so insane. Uh, And how this person is still there is a mystery, again, except the Harvard Corporation Board simply will not take the proper action and fire this lady immediately because doesn't it make sense? I mean, of course, nobody's perfect. I get it. But doesn't it make sense that if you're going to lead uh, an institution of higher learning, that at a minimum, at a minimum, you haven't violated the rules of the institution as a student, which is what she did with this duplicative language. It's, it kind of reminds me of reproductive health care. Same deal. I mean, it's it's these euphemisms that just veil the truth. You lied is what you did here. You lied. You plagiarized. Of course, we got a president, right, Rhino, that did the same thing and, in fact, had to um, cease his campaign. When was that, 88 or something, when that got learned? Oh, yeah. But yet, yeah, but now he's sitting in the White House. So, again, I'm not suggesting that that uh, people are without sin. We're flawed humans. But once the sin is learned, and in this case, I mean, come on, it's so so closely related to what she does. How in the world can she possibly set an example? Shouldn't the person who leads such an institution be one that students and faculty and administration can look up to and respect that they have at a minimum complied with their own institution's policies and rules? Because I feel certain that if a student were engaged in such duplicative language in their assignments, in their writings, and it was not original, or at a minimum, if they did, if they did include uh, work from someone else, they cited it and they credited it uh, as proper, that they'd be expelled, and they should be. But uh, but we're saying that's okay when it comes to the president of this university. That is absurd, and it and it clearly shows just how far. These woke people have gone to protect and grant preferential privilege, if you will, to people that fit into whatever that little demographic box is that they've decided is has been oppressed and therefore is entitled to equity, which essentially means just don't apply the standards to them. Well, 
Cheryl Swain. I don't know if you guys know who she is. She uh, she weighed in on this. Carol Swain uh, was a professor at one time. I don't think she is anymore. A black female at Vanderbilt. And is um, a person that's just full of common sense. I've seen her be interviewed numerous times, read her works. She's, she's brilliant. And she's someone that I think we could all learn from. Well... She tweeted yesterday, I have some free unsolicited advice for Harvard University. This is on her Twitter account, her X account. We call it Twitter here because Rhino has, has declared that we are not shifting to Elon Musk's new label for the platform. Well, in, in my defense, when you log into to Twitter, you still go to Twitter.com. <laughs> okay. No, I think it was crazy to start with. I, I, I know, well, I guess, what he was attempting to do was just kind of abandon uh, anything uh, from from the prior platform and its operation and, and just trying to, uh, to shift away from that. Uh, but nonetheless, Dr. Carol M. Swain, here's what she says. I have some free unsolicited advice for Harvard University. Stop listening to the apologists for plagiarism. She's right. Plagiarism's just not right. It's unforgivable. At a minimum, there should be consequences for it. She then goes on to say, fire Claudine Gay post-haste. She can be relieved of her duties under, until the terms are negotiated. Stop listening to the racist mob of whites and blacks who cry racism while being among the worst offenders. Hire the best man or woman. This is my favorite point. Of her seven points that she published, she wrote yesterday, hire the best man or woman who can steer the university back towards sanity. Appeasing the Marxist identity politics mob should not be a consideration. The person for the job, you ready for this? The person for the job might be a middle or older age white Jewish man who believes in classical liberalism. Liberalism. Exactly. Because right and wrong are, are virtues that that transcend all races, all nationalities, all genders, all ages, it's irrelevant. So what she's saying is you should hire based on merit, merit, qualifications, value, performance, experience. Rather, what you hired was a person based on their personal profile who happens to be a prolific plagiarist. Have a sit-down conversation with the people who have been harmed by the plagiarism of Claudine Gay and the system that protects her. Recognize that Harvard's systematic racism and classism have far-reaching effects and finally apologize to alumni, students, parents, and donors who have been harmed and embarrassed. I thought it was brilliant. I really did. I thought it was absolutely brilliant. I thought it was absolutely spot-on. I applaud Dr. Carol Swain. We need more Carol Swains and fewer Claudine Gates. That's what we need. Now, of course, the left, I'm sure, will immediately see to attacking her and denouncing her 
it's it's ridiculous. But that's exactly what needs to happen. We have got to return this country to the principle of merit. And we've got to shift away and abandon this nonsense of of um, uh, just appeasing every little special interest group in the name of equity. Coming right back with Jerry Lake at Carter Jewelers. Middays with Gerard. Good for America. Good for fans of justice and truth. Good for us. Super Talk Mississippi. This is what we stand for. Yeah! Welcome back, everyone. It's middays. We're at Carter Jewelers today in downtown Jackson, just a couple of blocks from the Mississippi State Capitol. On High Street, we invite you to come on down. We've got plenty of uh, jewelry, fine jewelry, in the store. Lots of great people to help you out with those selections. And uh, best of all, Mr. Jerry Lake, who is now joining us on the program, says it's once-in-a-lifetime sale. It absolutely is. It's, uh, you know, I've been 49 years in the business, and uh, I this store, which I, I I'm feel pretty sure our the store is the biggest and in the inventories is the largest in the state and probably perhaps the region. Uh, my store is under contract to be sold here in Jackson and the one in Vicksburg. This sale does not include any of the inventory. It was just really uh, too large of an inventory to kind of sell with the business. So uh, I'm I am uh, I'm liquidating all of the inventory for the Jackson store, and there is uh, uh, there will be millions of dollars in savings on some of the prettiest, finest, best quality jewelry uh, ever made, and it's. Uh, this is a lifetime type of, of sale that, you know, we've got jewelry in here. It's priced down. Everything in the store is 50 to 90% off the lowest ticketed price. A lot of this jewelry is very near what uh, we would uh, be paid uh, if we were selling it to, like, the jewelry, the industry liquidators. And if you can, if you can buy jewelry anywhere near the price that the industry liquidators pay for fine or beautiful diamond jewelry. Uh, this is an unbelievable win for for you. You should you should come and buy for Christmas if you have, of course, if you have the budget and future Christmases, anniversaries, birthdays. You, this is a sale, the kind of sale that most people never ever run into in their lifetime. This is a once-in-a-lifetime kind of sale where you've got a selection that is unbelievable. The the beauty and the, and the wellness of how, how well the jewelry is made is incredible. And at prices you're never going to find ever in your lifetime, in my opinion, if, if you did. But anyway... Look, uh, it's Christmas is coming up. Uh, uh, you know, a lot of you out there, you probably, uh, there's people out there that you, you, you really owe a piece of fine jewelry 
two that you might not have ever thought you could afford. And that person could be you. It could be your daughter, your mother, your your sister, your wife, your girlfriend, or, or whoever. But you, you should come. We're Carter Jewelers. We're downtown Jackson, two blocks from the Capitol on High Street. And we've got a big parking lot and also a parking lot next door. And uh, we have security out there. They will. Uh, there will be a parking space that you'll be able to find, and it'll be worth your time. You know, if you drive anywhere in the state, if you're looking for a piece or interested in a piece of fine jewelry, it'd be worth your time to come over here. It'll be a selection like you've probably never seen in any other jewelry store if you hadn't shopped here. And prices are un, these prices are, are, well, they're liquidation prices. It's, uh, Christmas is coming up. It's a beautiful day. Uh, come see us and we'll package it, uh, really pretty. We're offering financing. We have 12 months, I think, interest-free financing on the 12 months and interest and no credit check financing. It's, uh, just uh, a big selection of gorgeous jewelry. And also over in uh, Vicksburg at the Pemberton Plaza, the store over there has the same sale. It's uh, Christmas, and it's like I say, this is a once-in-a-lifetime kind of sale. You need to come see us if if uh, if you've got a, any kind of budget or interest in, in fine jewelry. And, uh, maybe replacing your engagement ring or anything else that you've wanted to do in your lifetime and uh, for reasons of, you know, uh, of not wanting to spend and pay any kind of retail price for the jewelry, well, that's not the case now. You, this this is a, the, the, you, you're going to find liquidation prices like you've never seen on some of the best quality, prettiest jewelry in the world. Carter Jewelers. Downtown Jackson, Pemberton Plaza over in Vicksburg. We're just two blocks from the Capitol on High Street. Come see us. Merry Christmas to all of you, and thank you for all your business over the years. Okay. 49 years. Appreciate it, buddy. Yeah, man. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you. We'll talk to you in about an hour, I guess. All right, folks, you heard it. We're at Carter Jewelers, downtown Jackson, just two blocks to the east of the Mississippi State Capitol. And you know why that's important? Because that legislature is going to be filling up that place here in uh, less than two weeks. (laughs) That's really hard to believe, isn't it? We're stepping aside for a break. It's top of the hour. That means, of course, Fox News and Super Talk News. And when we come back, It's our good friend Steve Azar, host in a Mississippi Minute, musician in Mississippi's music and cultural ambassador. You don't want to miss it. Stay with us. Welcome to the show that challenges you to think deeply deeply. and look beyond political posturing. You're listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert here on Super Talk Mississippi. Well, 
Welcome back, everyone. It's middays. We're live today at Carter Jewelers, downtown Jackson on High Street, just a couple of blocks east of the Mississippi State Capitol on this Friday, y'all. <laughs> we welcome now our good friend Steve Azar, host in a Mississippi Minute on Super Talk, also a musician in Mississippi's music and cultural ambassador. Big Steve, what's going on? Hello, Gerard. I am uh, just grabbed one of our children from L.A. to the Memphis airport. I'm jumping on Highway 61 in a second, so uh, feeling like Mississippi again. I feel better. <laughs> 61. Uh, speaking of culture, <laughs> that's where it kind of all – that's it, isn't it? All right, so tell yeah. us about, uh, of course, the upcoming Azar Christmas special that we're going to be airing on Super Talk. Over Christmas, always look forward to that. Uh, give us an outlook on that. Well, you know, it's year. I don't know what year it is. Probably five or six. And uh, you know, our, our comrade producer Will East has uh, done a great job putting it together, and we're excited yeah. about uh, you know doing it again. And you know, I love this time of year. You hear stories from some of our friends, and, and hear a lot of incredible music. That uh, sometimes you don't hear a typical Christmas show, and it'll be typical, and there'll be a lot of non-typical, a lot of Mississippi stuff, uh, yeah. and it's you know genre-wise all over the map. Well, tell us about that, Steve, because obviously Mississippi is abundantly blessed with so many accomplished musicians, uh, you, of course, being one of them. Have all or most of them produced uh, Christmas songs as well? Well, I've had one, which is Catfish Christmas, but I think yeah. that a lot of our great acts, you know, the historical acts like, obviously, Elvis and Conway, and, and I, I would imagine that, uh, you know, B.B., uh, uh, I know, has, yeah. Albert. Um, I would think that Kemi Wynette, I would think they've all made full Christmas records. Um, yeah. Pretty sure they all have. So, yeah, I mean, like, we've got a lot of crazy, talented musicians from all genres. And, um, yeah, I, I have a little regret that I hadn't made a full record yet. And uh, Paul gave me grief the other day. He said it should be called I Don't Have to Be Me Till Christmas. And I thought, oh, that's brilliant. But, uh, anyway, <laughs> but yeah, we've got so you know, Mississippi is not per capita, Gerard. It's not per capita that we rule the roost in music. And it's not, it's not any other reason except there's no Rolling Stones. There's no Beatles invasion of the British invasion. There's no Beatles. There's no Eric Clapton probably uh, with Cream. Uh, all these acts were influenced by the Mississippi Delta and our acts here. So, uh, and Mississippi in general. So it's, it's well documented that that's how they got inspired. You know, when the Beatles saw John, when they saw Elvis. You know, when John Lennon saw Elvis, it was a game changer in his life. When the Rolling Stones heard Muddy Waters. And they named their band Rolling Stones because of Rolling, you know, Muddy Stone one of his songs. It's just really amazing. So, obviously, this is a special time of year to celebrate so many of our historic artists and musicians who changed the world, you know, changed the direction. But with all that said, too, it's Christmas time in Mississippi, and, and uh, it's got a good feeling. You know, I get to have all our kids home, thank goodness. It's a hallelujah. And so I'm looking forward to that. And I know a lot of people uh, have, have family at home and, and it's just a good time for us to celebrate Christmas. And I think we start at 1 o'clock on Christmas Eve and go until the end of Christmas Day. Okay. 
Well, that's awesome. And, and while you were talking about that, the um, all the artists that uh, whose work essentially was inspired by and, and honestly, to a great extent, emanated from these these Mississippi artists. They all are quick to point that out, are they not, Steve? They'll tell you, yeah, this is what influenced me. This is what this is what changed my life. This is what inspired me. This is why I did what I did. Yeah, you got to be inspired by somebody. But it, isn't it interesting that every big act like that, especially from people from across the pond from so far away, and Gerard, you and I both have traveled, and I, no matter if I've been in Latvia or I've been in Germany or I've been in Brazil. Yeah. No matter where I've been in Italy, no matter where we played or been or visited, maybe I was on vacation or not playing music, they would, would strike up a conversation and they're like, oh, Mississippi, that's where the music's from. I mean, they, you know, they would tell me in their own language, so I'd have to try to interpret it. But, uh, <laughs> but with that said, it, it's a very world-known thing. So it's pretty cool that the world knows it. And it's great when you travel, especially when you're in the music business. And it puts a big smile on my face. It gives you a sense of pride. And it lets you, it, it reinforces the fact that it's all true. And, and isn't that really kind of the, the underlying purpose of Christmas music? Obviously, we're celebra- celebrating uh, the birth of our Lord uh, Jesus Christ. But Christmas music just puts you in a good, positive mood. It does. Listen, and then you get into New Year's and everybody makes their resolutions. And I don't know about everybody else, but my resolution sort of lasts like it's temporary. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> so, but no, Christmas is, is, is it not one of the best feelings that you could possibly have? Like, Absolutely. It's, just a, it, it's such a beautiful thing. Um, you know, how perfect would it be if Mississippi, uh, I know the Gulf Coast is sort of out of luck, but. You know, lately it's been like humidity on the ground, <laughs> yeah. 70 degrees, and I think it's going to be a, a little on the warmer side this year, but not awful. But uh, it'd be great if, you know, it snowed one day. I think we had one growing up, if I recall, uh, one or two. Uh, but, 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 hey, I'd rather be in Mississippi in the heat than anywhere else in the world at Christmas, I can tell you. Absolutely. To- totally agree. And, you know, something that uh... – that uh, our president, CEO, and founder said in an email to the staff today, uh, wishing us all a Merry Christmas, that I thought was so perfect, was the holiday season is a time for reflection, gratitude, and spreading joy. Spreading joy. Gosh. Yeah. You know, I know I come in here every day. That's what I was thinking is is that, um, you know, we, we cover lots of stuff going on, and all that's not pleasant. And, and we have a tendency in our society to kind of overlook all the good stuff that really does yeah. happen and the good people. I, I had a couple of recent incidents uh, personally that was was were examples, very pointed examples of just good people doing good stuff. One is, Steve, I lost my money clip while I was in the subway in Ridgeland. It just fell out of my pocket there in the parking lot. And I get home and I get out and notice I don't have it. I'm, I'm rifling through my car, you know, frantically looking for it. And while I'm doing that, I get a call from the Ridgeland Police Department. Somebody brought it up there and dropped it off. And I'm totally intact. How about I know. That? How about I know. That? Wow, that's beautiful. Well, that's a good time. I mean, hey, that's, that's the Christmas spirit. We should all have that spirit all year round. But at least these times, uh, this time of year, uh, at least I think the most devilish people in the world even at christmas find a, a 
sense of compassion or you'd like them to, uh, you'd like to believe that or be it's a magical time spirit and it changes people's hearts because it opens the door for opportunity for the heart to change so i think it's a it, you know there's always that opportunity for that and uh we're blessed to, to i love that steve davenport said that it's spot on or yep. kim said it whoever said it yep. kim said, that's, that's what's in their heart i can tell you yep. and that's, no that's a beautiful thing i love it yeah yeah, so um, I mean, so we got to be optimistic, right? When you when you're winding down an old year and, and approaching a new year, it's always time for optimism and and uh, renewal. And and gosh, there's there's so much opportunity, so many good things, and and sure, it's it's human life, and we're always beset with challenges, but still believe the good far outweighs the bad, and I think that's true in folks' hearts as well. And uh, and I, I I think the best is yet to come, and and that's the way I'm going to stay. <laughs> I love it. That's the spirit right there. You're the coach I want in the locker room. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's awesome. All right, so tell us again the hours of uh, of, of the Christmas music that you're going to be hosting. Mississippi Christmas only on Super Talk Mississippi, and uh, one o'clock on Christmas Eve is game time, and we'll go through out Christmas Day. And, uh, well, it'll be great. Well, you know, I, I'm looking forward to it again. I've gotten, I get more text messages over the holidays. I've already probably gotten about 30 or 40 just in the last 24 hours. Can't wait for a Mississippi Christmas. Can't wait for a Mississippi Christmas. Um, folks are just, they seem to be excited about it. And a lot of the folks I don't know who their numbers are. So that's good. And I'm, I'm too embarrassed, like I told Paul the other day to go, I, I can't lie and go, I got a new phone and who is this? You know, so, yeah, so, but I anyway, I appreciate it. I appreciate it a lot, and uh, and I really enjoyed getting to do it. So, uh, yeah, cool. I mean, it's it's a lot of fun to me. It's cool. It's brought to you uh, by the Farm Families of Mississippi. We should point out as well. Steve, yeah. uh, always good to talk to you, my friend. I hope you go in the family, have the merriest of Christmases and uh, the healthiest and prosperous New Year ever. Um, it's a joy to be on the team with you. I'm proud of you, man. And it's, uh, again, put a smile on my face. Appreciate it, buddy. Thanks. Hey, buy me a diamond while you're there. I love you. Thank you, buddy. <laughs> you got it. Merry Christmas. <laughs> We're coming right back, folks, in the Element Well studio down at Carter Jewelers today. Stay with us. This program. Gerard Gibbert. Here we go. This is huge, huge, huge news. Huge, huge, huge news. Huge. You need to listen to this. Middays with Gerard. Super Talk, Mississippi. Welcome back, everyone. It's Middays at Carter Jewelers, downtown Jackson. It is Friday, y'all, as Rhino likes to say, and 
the last day of the week prior to Christmas. Looking forward to a big one. I hope you and yours have a merry one, a healthy one, and enjoy your families and have some good food and relax and just reflect on the many blessings we have to live in this great state and in this great country for sure. Got to be optimistic, folks. I know there's a lot of stuff that uh, seems insurmountable and you see a lot of things that you just shake your head at. I do, too. We talk about it all the time. But I I still believe that our best days are ahead, and and I'm unwavering in that belief. I I think it's necessary, in fact, to achieve even better things. You've got to believe in it. You just have to. have to remain optimistic. It's what made Ronald Reagan such an inspirational and a successful president. He said he brought that optimism. It, it kind of looks that way, does it not, right? And when you think about Reagan replacing Carter, that's a lot of what's going on here with respect to Joe Biden, the incumbent, who just always has a just a uh, just a negative look on his face. He's you know he's always grousing and always admonishing, always lecturing, always denouncing, criticizing attacking it just seems just full of negativity carter looked that way if you look at carter when he first took office and carter when he exited he just looked he looked lost and it wasn't because of his age biden looks lost because i think he just is unfortunately i think i think the thing just beat carter down i think the job was was a much bigger task than he anticipated and things weren't going good for the country at the time, especially the Iran hostage crisis, which was embarrassing and, and uh, of course, uh, absolutely filled up the airwaves, what little we had back then relative to today. But that's what gave rise to news after the standard 30-minute national news slot every day was this. Uh, people wanted more information about what the heck's going on in Iran. But I think that took its toll on Carter. And here comes... Here comes Reagan with a, a more optimistic outlook and and just talking about how we could renew the nation's spirit and greatness. And it's very similar to Donald Trump's narrative and, and talking points and message. And that, and that goes against uh, the existing president that is anything but that. It's not that he's pessimistic. He just doesn't exude optimism. Let's put it that way. And I think that starts with just kind of having low energy and you just don't feel like he's got a plan honestly to address our most pressing needs and and poll after poll shows that's the economy and the border economy and border and and the gaps actually closing because the border situation is on fire and it's ridiculous and people see it and he just doesn't seem to be willing to take any action speaking of the border i don't know if you guys saw this but john kirby was present at a White House press briefing. This occurred uh, yesterday. White House Press Secretary, of course, Karine Jean-Pierre, also was joined by the NSC Coordinator for Strategic Communications, John Kirby, Rear Admiral John Kirby. I'm sure you've seen him uh, a number of times uh, address the nation at these press briefings. And so he was asked by a reporter, listen to this, 
quote, some illegal border crossers, this is a reporter asking this question, some illegal border crossers are being given court dates in 2031. What are they supposed to do here for seven years? John Kirby's response, I'm not in a position to talk about specific cases. Huh? He, he wasn't asked about specific cases. He was asked about process. He was asked about the system that he's responsible for overseeing. And that's the best he could give? No, no specific case was referenced in the question. It was a very generic question about the process. That's because there's so many crossing over, and they get processed and given this date, and now we're learning that these dates are as far out as 2031? So they're just here for seven years. Now, what are the chance, what's, what are the odds that people that have a 2031 court date show up? And if they don't, and they're in contempt, how the heck are we going to find them to charge them and prosecute them accordingly? This nonsense about 12,000 people a day crossing over the border on this pretense of asylum needs to be addressed. And, of course, unfortunately, we don't have anybody in the White House that has any intention of addressing it by the way i was sharing earlier some uh, suggestions advice from carol swain dr carol swain black female i point that out not because her identity is important other than the fact that the left always groups us into these little boxes these little circles and, and um, identity um, groups. Uh, sometimes they're called affinity groups, but these little these little left labeled identities. And it's of course you've got minorities, and you've got non-minorities, and then with minorities there are several. And typically, minorities are are deemed uh, victims, and everybody else is an oppressor. So Dr. Swain weighed in and provided some unsolicited advice to Harvard. One of the things she said that I thought was the most uh, the most direct and, and pointed and sage advice of the seven points that she made in her list of advice was to hire the best man or woman who can steer the university back towards sanity. This, this should not even have, should, should not even have to say that. That, that should be that should go without saying that we hire the best man or woman for the job. She continues appeasing the Marxist identity politics mob should not be a consideration. The person for the job might be a middle to old, older age white Jewish man who believes in classical liberalism. So upon reading that, I received a text from a friend who said that. Uh, Dr. Swain thinks that Milton Friedman should be the president of Harvard. Cool. <laughs> that is awesome. Uh, Milton Friedman, uh, the great conservative economist from, uh, used to be on the staff at the University of Chicago, Uncle Milty. He's uh, often referred to af- affectionately, if you will. But, yeah, that's great. I'd, I'd be all over it if he were around. 
Milton Friedman. She should be the president of Harvard. But it, that's the point. That it should not matter. I, I thought that's what we were told, right? That we should we should not consider to be equal in these decisions. We should not consider the race, the ethnicity, the nationality, the gender, etc. But that's exactly what Harvard did when they hired Claudine Gay, who's completely unqualified for the job, and now we learn is engaged in a whole lot of plagiarism, duplicative writing, as they call it now, which is uh, crazy unto. It's a duplicative language, I guess, more specifically. I also had a friend, a uh, an attorney that I've uh, worked with a lot through the years, who's been on the program, says the 14th Amendment, talking about the situation where the Supreme Court in Colorado has barred Trump from appearing on the primary ballot. The 14th Amendment empowered Congress to specify enforcement processes in the adopted one for barring insurrectionists, in quotes, from holding office. The U.S. attorney for D.C. must file a quo warranto action in federal court after the barred person is elected. Huh. That's the sole enforcement method. Note, after the barred person is elected. Wow. So I said, well, how does that affect the Colorado primary? He says, I predict that if the case is not mooted by the party switching from primary to caucus, which is something that the GOP in Colorado has already suggested, the Supreme Court will stay the Colorado decision and then reverse it 8-1 or 9-0. How about that? So it sounds like the GOP kind of has a way around it, a remedy. It's, it's, it's kind of uh, moot the court's action, and they'll just stay it. But if not, they're going to rule against it. How about that? Interesting. That's good to hear. We're coming right back with more. Half an hour left on Middays. The Element Well Studio at Carter Jewelers, downtown Jackson. Her Talk, Mississippi. Gerard Gibbert, going beyond the headlines, breaking down the stories that matter to Mississippi. Middays with Gerard on Super Talk Mississippi. everyone it is middays we're live in the element well studio so you know i was talking earlier about just the contrast between a, a constant constant rhetoric of pessimism and weakness uh and in versus optimism and strength and i, and I think the reason that one of the primary reasons that Donald Trump is emerging is as the front runner in all the polls, including in the swing states, which is again where the White House is won or lost, is because he he does represent some degree of toughness. It, it all goes back to the early days of Barack Obama's presidency when he was apologizing for American exceptionalism. 
and uh, started to travel abroad, meeting with leaders of other nations. And you remember the intentional bowing lower than uh, than others in cultures where that is a custom. That shouldn't be the case. Or just seemingly fawning all over and appeasing uh, uh, these leaders in other countries and and just just kind of wanting to diminish the greatness of American and and uh, sort of remove it from its status as the greatest most powerful nation on the planet that should never be the case that that you could almost argue is borderline treasonous. <laughs> Uh, for an American president to do so. And, and Trump, I think, channels what so many people want to see in a leader, in the commander-in-chief, which is just toughness and strength. Now, I don't always agree with some of his rhetoric and approach, but I do respect and appreciate that he does place the nation first. It is an America-first agenda, be it uh, on the world stage, abroad, or here at home, from an economic perspective, borders, etc. And at this point, with 25 days out to the Iowa caucuses, first state, Donald Trump appears to be running away with the thing. And I think that's why. I really do. He's 50% in the latest uh, Fox Business poll. That's a, a pretty significant gain over September. First time topping 50% versus the other Republican candidates. Got a 35-point lead over his nearest competitors, which would be Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley. It's incredible. And I do think that that just the toughness, it's not that those individuals aren't. I I just think that people kind of remember Donald Trump in his first term and they just feel like he's best suited to restore that toughness to the White House, to the commander-in-chief, and and to the country. Whereas we have a current president that just doesn't seem to do that. And, in fact, we were all told we had to vote for him because he would restore the soul of the nation. That was one of his slogans during his campaign, and you'd see it printed all over the campaign materials and the backdrops and the podiums and the signs and all that stuff. Well, where did that go? I mean, this guy was supposed to unite us. And, in fact, I think it's pretty clear that because he's playing identity politics, he's been pulled in that direction uh, by the left of his party. Uh, Again, a, a tenet of classical Marxism, he's divided the country. I think he's fomenting division, honestly, rather than unite us. So I, I think that another thing about Mr. Trump is that he's got a pro-growth message, and people are more interested in how to return to better economic times. That and the border. It's pro-growth. Shut the border down. Boom. That in itself easily outweighs any message coming from Joe Biden. I don't exactly know what that message is other than Trump's bad, 
and extremist Republicans want to end democracy and all that kind of nonsense. So I do think that this is going to play a big role in the uh, the election next fall. There's no doubt about it. Trump tough is going to be a theme. I think you're going to see that. I think you're going to see his campaign team to some extent adopt that and start promoting that. Meanwhile, the Biden campaign team is trying to figure out how to uh, uh, just abandon the term Bidenomics because the voters aren't feeling good about Biden's economic policies, and uh, they attribute it to what he describes and labels as Bidenomics. So I think they're looking to transition away from that, if not uh, completely eliminate it from their campaign message. We'll definitely see where all that goes. You know, if you think about it, it's been a bit of a circus, in my view, since this president has been in office. It's It's been kind of a show, a uh, soap opera almost. You've got the pay-to-play scheme. you got cocaine found in the White House. Wasn't too long ago, Rhino, remember, was it June, Pride Month? They had a big celebration on the White House lawn, and some transgender lifted their shirt, bared their breasts for all to see. you got these recent sex porn videos that have come out from uh, Senator Ben Cardin of Maryland's staffers. Staffer. Incredible. It's a soap opera. And, oh, and who could forget Dr. Jill Biden's recent nutcracker video filmed in the white house that was just dysfunctional and almost sensational and just bizarre i don't know how else to describe it but that was embarrassing and then uh, there's also some news that jill biden's press secretary michael LaRosa, was forced out of the white house after he tried to take gay dates to his room on a secure floor of a hotel where the president was staying. This was during a NATO summit in Madrid. What is up with these people? Why, why is everything just so weird? I don't know how else to describe it. Just weird. It's, it's certainly not mainstream. It's abnormal. Uh, now again, why, why why this obsession from the the LGBTQ community? And I'm not saying all of them because I know a lot, and and they're not like that. But there are a lot that just want to showcase it, want to publicize it, want to distribute it, want to force it on you. And that, that's what I feel like was happening when this video was filmed in the Senate. Now the press secretary of dr jill biden and what are the chances that this person got hired simply because they're gay it's just like the harvard president got hired because she checked all those boxes it's just really sad unbelievable republicans are drafting bills to remove joe biden from ballots in georgia arizona pennsylvania according to breitbart this from willis and hattiesburg you know i disagree with that uh willis I, i'll be honest with you I, I think that's destructive and i hope that the supreme court uh rules again in such a way that it puts this issue to bed i don't i don't i mean we've got to be consistent in application 
of these standards here, and and I, I get it. It it's um, kind of a retaliatory move, but I also think it's a slippery slope. It's very dangerous because just as we start removing candidates from office, they start and continue to remove candidates from office. That's why it's important that the Supreme Court comes out and rules appropriately and puts this thing uh, to bed. So I, I don't think that's the right move. I, I think once again, there's no really no constitutional basis for doing so. If we're saying that about the Colorado court, we certainly got to apply that to uh, other other states as well. And so, I, again, let the Supreme Court, that's the way the founders envisioned it, uh, rule on this wrongly decided case. I really do. So, uh, yeah, Paul, I, I see you, man. You're, um, I know you're, you've expressed concerns about the interest rates on uh, credit cards and all I can say, and I, and I get it. You know, they've gone up quite a bit. All I can say is that that's the market at work. Nobody's forcing you, and you know this, to I'm not lecturing you here, to use those credit cards. And um, the fact that they can charge a higher interest rate and people still use them and they're willing to pay, I think that's what the market will bears, and they have the right to do so. I don't consider that price gouging. I know that's what you termed it as, and I'll be honest with you. As long as people pay for it, their choices, their options, it's not price gouging. It's just the markets at work. That's my opinion. But I appreciate and respect yours as well. The world gasped when Obama won the Pulitzer Prize. Oh, yeah, Keith and Meridian sent us that. That is crazy. Ronnie and Tupelo, Merry Christmas, Gerard and Rhino, and Happy New Year. Romy and Tupelo. Appreciate that, Romy. We're coming right back with Jerry Lake, the owner of Carter Jewelers. Stay with us. I'm Jerry Lake. Gerard Gibbert. He keeps his classified documents right where they belong. Inside a journey record jacket from the 1980s. Gerard Gibbert. Super Talk Mississippi. Malikilikimaka is a thing to say on a bright Hawaiian Christmas day. That's the island greeting that we send to you from the land where palm trees sway. Here we know that we are back in the Element Well studio located today at Carter Jewelers in downtown Jackson. We're on High Street, a couple of blocks east of the Mississippi State Capitol. Got a big sale going on, and we welcome back to the program now Mr. Jerry Lake, the owner of a Carter Jewelers, at least for now. Right, Jerry? So, at, at least for now. Yeah, <laughs> this, uh, this could be my last uh, interview with uh, Super Talk. Is, uh, as owner of Carter Jewelers, I have I'm, Carter Jewelers is under contract to be sold here at my Jackson store and the Vicksburg store, uh, but does not include the inventory. It's uh, actually my jewelry inventory is so massive that there's not too many people that honestly could afford to buy them. So uh, I'm liquidating the inventories. It's uh, I think I can pretty confidently say it's the it's the biggest. Uh, fine jewelry inventory in the state and maybe the region uh it it and i suspect it's probably be the best and biggest jewelry sale ever to take place in mississippi everything in the store is 50 to 90 percent off our lowest tag prices it's uh it's a selection like uh 
I don't think there's any selections uh, like what we have around. I mean, we're starting to run some, maybe in some areas where we're not as deep as we had been. But, uh, you know, if you if you ever thought you might want to buy a piece of fine jewelry for your loved one or ones or yourself, uh, you know, it's... Uh, at these prices, uh, they're getting very near uh, the price that the uh, industry liquidators pay for fine jewelry, and and I can pretty much verify that since I used to represent the the biggest uh, uh, fine jewelry liquidator in the in the country. It's it's anytime you can get prices anywhere near what the industry liquidators pay for for jewelry. It's a big-time win for you. Uh, you should uh, consider buying uh, Christmas presents for this uh, Christmas and future Christmases, birthdays, anniversaries for yourself. You know, for loved ones you maybe you've owed or wanted to buy something for, you maybe you thought you couldn't afford it. You, you should uh, you should definitely come to our sale. This is a this is a, a once in a lifetime kind of sale where you've got a, a selection like we've got. At these prices, uh, I don't think uh, in my 49 years in the business has ever been a sale like this in in, in Mississippi. It's a this this is a it's a good opportunity. It's a good opportunity for me to also sell a lot of inventory over the counter. It's better for believe me, it's better for me to sell sell to the public at higher prices than what I I would get from. Uh, industry liquidators or even the wholesale trade so uh anyway we're two blocks from the capitol on high street downtown jackson and the Pemberton plaza in vicksburg it's uh this is definitely uh this is a once in a lifetime type of jewelry sale you need to you should consider coming in and, and taking a look if you've got a budget for you know for f- fine jewelry it's uh well, I, I, this this could be my last interview with Super Talk, his owner of Carter Jewelers. Uh, but uh, we'll be a little while longer liquidating this uh, here at at our retail location. I'm not sure exactly when it will conclude, but but in the near future. Well, let me ask you, do you, yeah. Jerry, do you ever have anybody come in that says, "Well, I've been to other jewelry stores around town." And I saw something I liked, but I couldn't afford it uh, based on their pricing. And they come in here, and then you're able to. Oh my to make gosh! A deal. I mean, we found that we we found that way before this sale, even. But <laughs> of you know, at this at this sale, there's a uh, a jewelry manufacturer. Uh, actually, he's a friend of mine, and he came in and he said, "Jerry," he said, "There's almost everything in the store." He said, "There's no manufacturer." That can manufacture it for the price you're selling it for, and it's really, uh, and I know that's the case. It's, uh, and one thing uh, I, I've been bad to do is when deals have come along since I've owned the store, I, I bought them, and a lot of times you can just accumulate and accumulate and accumulate, and uh, it's uh, it takes really a sale of this magnitude to kind of sell off a lot of this, but uh, you know. Jewelry's been something I've known, and uh, I'm—I know that there's ways I can uh, 
dispose of it and liquidate it, and that's what's happening right now. All right. So Merry Christmas to all of you out there. And and let me tell you, all you great listeners from Super Talk, you all have been good customers, and I love you. And and, uh, I thank you for all your business in the past. And, Gerard, thank you for this interview, buddy. Thank you. And you're open on Sunday, too, right? And open on Sunday, yeah, I think 10 to 5, I believe. Sounds good. All right, thanks a lot. All right, folks, that's a wrap here from Carter Jewelers. We appreciate you so much for joining us today. I hope you have the merriest, healthiest, happiest of Christmases. Enjoy it with your family. Reflect on our many blessings. We'll be back with you on Tuesday. Until then, stay safe and God bless everyone. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.